Hey there, future fans! This week, we can't get past being scared, assassins break the glass ceiling, and another spider gets a second chance. This is the week of July 9th, 2021, and this is episode 209 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is another week and we have some movies, unlike all those other weeks where we didn't have movies. I mean, I joke, but we had to change the format of the show during COVID, so, you know, enough changed. And this episode is going to be a, a squidge different just because next week is my birthday. So I'm not going to do an episode, and instead I'll tell you what my pick of next week is going to be, too. It should not be a surprise to anyone. Oh, I'm wrong. The next two weeks there won't be shows, because next week is my birthday. The week after that, my wife and I are going camping. So I'm going to give you the picks for the next two weeks, and then I'll be on a little hiatus. So yay. If I had realized that, if I had put two and two together, if, if I had taken a moment, I would not have taken that mental health week. But... Say lovey, am I right? Well, anyway, let me tell you what it is we do here, just in case you're new. If you are new to the show, welcome. This is Future Flicks with Billiam, which by process of elimination leaves me to be Billiam because I'm the only one talking. Huzzah, you figured it out. You're so smart. I'd give you a cookie, but you're listening to a podcast. I'm not anywhere near you. Well, anyway, what do I do? What I do on this show? Well, I do talk about flicks from the future. That's right. Every week I talk about all the films coming out during the week. And then I go, hey, here are some movies that look interesting. Here are some that don't. Here is what my pick of the week would be. I give some of them a score. Basically, I break the movies up into two categories. The first is the limited release section. Those are any movies that are getting a limited release and did nothing to catch my eye. And please remember, nothing against these movies. It could be fine, but I am judging them based solely on the trailer. So if the trailer doesn't look interesting, I'm going to say skip it. And then we have the wide releases and interesting indies, which is just like it sounds like. Every nationwide release and every release coming to a major streaming service. You know, Netflix, uh, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max. Uh, mainly those, I, I'll probably skip things like Paramount+. Plus. I usually skip Shutter Originals, things like that. Oh, I will also talk about Apple TV Plus, even though it's something I myself will never, ever have. And it still blows my mind that's so popular. Anyway, that one's big enough that I'll talk about that. Anyway, in the wide releases and interesting indie section, I will give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score. That score goes anywhere from a 0 to an 11 for that film that kicks it up that extra notch. Then we have a pick of the week, which I say, hey... If I go see a movie this week, this is what it's going to be, and this is what I think you should watch. And the pick of the week always keeps in mind quality of movie and how interesting it would be to see on the big screen. 
Please keep in mind that movies like Fast and the, the Fast and Furious franchise aren't great films, but guess what? They're fun and perfect for the big screen. So on this show, you will get a mix. Also on the show, we talk about the news and trailers that caught my eye since the last episode. And without further ado, let's jump into that with the first section, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. We start with a sad story. Richard Donner, director of movies like Superman, Lethal Weapon, and The Goonies, has passed away at the age of 91. I'm reading this article on Slash Film. The last movie he actually directed was back in 2006, and it was the 16 Blocks movie with, um, let's see, who was in that? Bruce Willis and... Oh, most deaf, but most deaf, it looks like now in movies goes by Yasin Bey, I guess. So that's why I couldn't find him. I'm like, I thought most deaf was in that. And David Morse. This next story comes to us from Variety. We know that Wes Anderson is shooting a new movie in Spain and production is set to begin this September. In a recent interview with Variety, Tilda Swinton said that she will star in the project, but specific details are being kept under wraps. Wes Anderson, of course, one of those very specific directors uh, that have a very very specific style. Uh, Movies like Rushmore, Royal Tannenbaums, uh, you know if you like him or not. Another story from Variety, the vocal cast of the upcoming Netflix's My Little Pony, A New Generation. Uh, The cast is being fleshed out. We know that Vanessa Hudgens, James Marsden, Kimiko Glenn... And as well as people like Jane Krakowski, Phil Lamar, and Ken Jong will feature their voices in this. This will be a Netflix original film and not a My Little Pony series. So just be prepared for the bronies to come out in force when this movie comes out. But good thing is it's Netflix, so we won't have to see them in public. Irvalino Entertainment, who I've never heard of, but I'll have to look into now, has a new star-studded anthology project called Tell It Like a Woman. This story from Variety, Tara G.P. Henson is set to to direct Jennifer Hudson and Pauletta Washington in a film based on Kim Carter, a former addict who has used her story and her nonprofit, the Time for Change Foundation, to help homeless women and children break the cycle and reclaim their lives. This film will be made of seven segments that will make up one intertwining feature film and actresses like Cara Delevingne, 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 Kara Deleving, or however you say her name, Marsha Gay Harden, and Eva Longoria will be part of this. This next story comes to us from IndieWire. In an effort to not be canceled again, the, the Academy of Motion Pictures has added 395 new members to their voting board, which is now comprised of more than 9,000 people. The Academy of Motion Picture and Arts and Sciences has a goal of being more inclusive called the Academy of aperture of 2025 and this year the 2021 class is comprised of 46 percent women 53 percent underrepresented ethnic and racial communities and 53 international members from 49 countries outside of the united states among the new class are 89 oscar nominees and 25 winners including minari best supporting actress winner Yu Jung Yeon, best actor nominee steve yun and multi-nominated director and writer lee isaac chung Uh, They list more people, but I'm going to stop now before I butcher more names and uh, just say that, yes, this is a good move forward. And I love the fact that they're being more inclusive. I I think it's great. I think the, what's it? The No, it's the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes, it's all white men, right? 
Like, how can you do that in this day and age? Have this prestigious voting board or prestigious and sarcastic air quotes, make it up of all white dudes. But still, no matter how inclusive they get, please remember that the Oscars is still a money race. If a film, no matter how good it is, doesn't have the money to get their movie in front of the 9,000 plus voting members of the AMPAS, yeah, AMPAS, then they won't win. Money wins Academy Awards. This next story comes to us from The Playlist. Quentin Tarantino has spoke up again on the controversy about Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, to which he says, I can understand his daughter having a problem with it. It's her f***ing father. I get that. But anyone else can go suck a d- If you look at it, it's obvious Cliff tricked him, and that's how he was able to beat him. It's explained a bit more in the book. Uh, there was more to this story, or later there was more to this story. Uh, Shannon Lee, Bruce Lee's daughter, urged Quentin Tarantino to refrain from marring the legacy of the late Chinese-American actor, adding that at, at a time when Asian-American hate is on the rise, his comments are not welcome. This next story comes to us from Slash Film. Fans of the Netflix original movie The Old Guard should rejoice because the script for The Old Guard 2 has finished and filming will begin first quarter next year. So says star or co-star Charlize Theron. This next story comes to us from The Wrap. F9 blasts past 100 million in the U.S. as Universal sweeps the July 4th box office. That's right, we're starting to see numbers like the old days pre-COVID. Still not close, but you know what? It's getting there. This next story comes to us from Variety. Fans of Downton Abbey should rejoice because they're getting a second movie, but also they can shed just a little tear as the film has been pushed from a holiday release to a March 2022 debut. My future friends, next up, we have a story from IndieWire. Did you ever hear about a fourth Friday movie coming out called Last Friday? Do you maybe remember this back from 2012? Well, no, you're not going crazy. This has been uh, going back and forth between Ice Cube and Warner Brothers since 2012, because apparently Ice Cube is asking for a little too much and there's some disagreements with the creative choices. First, Ice Cube is asking to be paid $11 million and, or he's not asking for, he's going to be paid $11 million, but he also wants... Warner Brothers, owned by AT&T, to surrender its rights to the Friday property and two other movies, including All About the Benjamins and The Players Club. And Warner Brothers replied, calling the demand extortionate, saying it won't release rights to the valuable franchises or any other Ice Cube movies. But also there's been tension around the script. Ice Cube originally set the first draft of Last Friday in a prison, but he claims the studio told him that prisons aren't funny and that fans would want to see the characters in their familiar setting instead of behind bars. Will we ever see Last Friday? Time will tell. This next story is from Entertainment Weekly. Marvel head Kevin Feige confirms that what people thought was an abomination versus Wong fight in the Shang-Chi trailer was actually Abomination and Wong. In this story from Inverse, Aquaman 2 set photos reveal its surprising DC villain, And here I thought it was going to be that piece of human garbage Amber Heard, but apparently it's not. It's Mongo. Mongo. This final story comes to us from NME. Actor Steven Dorff, best known for the uh, first Blade movie, says he's embarrassed for Scarlett Johansson that Black Widow looks like garbage. 
He said, in an interview with The Independent, I still hunt out the good shit because I don't want to be in Black Widow. It looks like garbage to me. It looks like a bad video game. I'm embarrassed for those people. I'm embarrassed for Scarlet. He goes on to say, I'm sure she's got paid five or seven million bucks, but I'm embarrassed for her. I don't want to be in those movies. I really don't. I'll find that kid director that's going to be the next Kubrick, and I'll act for him instead. Well, how's that working for you? Huh, Steven Dorf? How many people saw Embattled or I'll Find You? So in reply, a lot of the fans of the MCU say, who? Steven Dorf's criticism actually just sounds like a sad old man who just wants to be relevant again. Dude, you were in Leatherface from 2017. You can't say shit. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us jump into our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. The first trailer we have to talk about is the teaser trailer for Amazon Prime's Cinderella, starring Camilla Cabello, Billy Porter and Dina Menzel, Minnie Driver, uh, Pierce Brosnan, and more, and, um, I mean, I'll watch it, because I do have some concerns, and it has nothing to do with the cast. I like the cast. I like that it's getting more inclusive. I think that's a really cool thing. My question, though, is, um, so you're going to do Cinderella, an, an iconic story, and like a lot of iconic Disney movies, all white, so we're changing that up. I get that. I understand that. I'm on board. Why are you changing it so much, though? So it doesn't look like there's evil stepsisters, though there may be. I know there's a stepmother played by Edina Menzel, but it looks like Cinderella owns a store and and she's more independent already. It just my question is, if you're going to retell the Cinderella story and not do it how like um, the Drew Barrymore version did it, where they kind of do a oh, this is the real story or doing a modern take on it, then why do you stray so far from the original? Maybe because it's only been six years since the last version of Cinderella came out. Who knows? Uh, if this is any good, we will see when it comes out on. Let's see if we can get a release date here. Sometime in 2021. Next up in the trove, we have a trailer for Don't Breathe 2 coming out later this year. This sequel is set in the years following the initial deadly home invasion where Norman Nordstrom lives in quiet solace until his past sins catch up to him. I know he was the bad guy of the first one, even though I never saw the first one. So it looks weird that he's the protagonist of this one where there's this little girl living with him. He's taking good care of her. And then she gets kidnapped by these guys who want to hurt Norman. And then he goes after them, John Wick style. So I'm just, I'm just a little confused. The only thing I do know is that I like Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang is good. And uh, that that's what this movie has going for it. I actually did find a better release date, August 13th, supposedly. Because remember, my friends, in this COVID world, it's all 
open to change. Uh, the next trailer we have to talk about is a brand new one for Jungle Cruise coming out July 30th. That's one starring Emily Blunt, Dwayne Johnson, Jesse Plemons, Jack Whitehall, and Paul Giamatti. And it looks pretty damn good. You know, it's a huge Disney blockbuster. If Disney can do one thing right, it's kids movies and blockbusters. So I think this is a really safe bet. Coming out in 3D where available and IMAX. I didn't even know they still did 3D movies. Uh, IMAX. I, I would love to see it in IMAX if we had one a little bit closer. This new trailer has a little interview with The Rock beforehand, or just him giving a speech, being The Rock, being super charismatic and amazing at everything he does. And the trailer focuses on The Rock's character. He uh, plays Frank Wolf, and we learned a little bit more about his backstory in this. I don't think this trailer gives anything away. I don't think. So at least there was nothing that was obviously a spoiler in this trailer, so you can feel free to watch that, even if you're very, very excited for this film. Once again, coming out in theaters July 30th. And I wouldn't be surprised if it also comes out on Disney Plus Premiere Access as well. Next up is a film called Beckett. This is a Netflix original starring John David Washington, Alicia Vikander, Boyd Holbrook, and Vicky Kripes. This is about a man who, following a tragic car accident, finds himself at the center of a dangerous political conspiracy and on the run for his life. Basically, John David Washington and his girlfriend or wife, played by Alicia Vikander, are driving through Greece. Uh, an accident happens, and I'm assuming she dies, or maybe that's going to be a twist in the movie and she's still alive. Who knows? But anyway, he is now being chased through Greece by the cop who was there when he woke up after the car accident. And it seems like something fishy is going on, so he has to make it to the American consulate if he has any hope of surviving. And this looks damn good. It really does. I am surprised this is a Netflix film. Because I know we've had really good-looking Netflix films, and they are a new powerhouse in the movie industry. Or not new. They've been around for a while. But, you know. For a while, a Netflix original film was kind of like a joke. It was good. Or it could be good, but it was kind of goofy. Now they're getting better and better and better, and this one looks really good. I'm very excited for this. And it comes out August 13th. Next up, we have another trailer, or the second trailer, that is for Hotel Transylvania Transfermania. This is the fourth Hotel Transylvania movie. Uh, I can't believe they're making this many, but hey, you know what? Uh, if it does well, go for it. This is about Dracula and some of his friends get hit by a magical beam that turns them from monsters into humans. And then the beam thing breaks and they have to go on a quest to find the one place in the world that can change them back because they don't like being human. They would much rather be monsters. But at this point, do you really care what it's about? If you're a fan of this series, you're probably going to watch it just because this doesn't look like a straight to DVD film. This is coming out in theaters. This looks like, you know, money and time and thought were put into this. So if you're a fan of the series, this is well worth a watch. But if you've never seen it before, guess what? Check out something else. This comes out October 1st, and that's a really good month for this film. Well, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the limited release movies. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that, a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back with the limited release movies, and let us start with one called Summertime. Over the course of a hot summer day in Los Angeles, the lives of 25 young Angelinos intersect. And you know what? The movie doesn't look bad. It honestly doesn't, but it just didn't grab me. It just didn't speak to me enough to make it into the next section, but I'll tell you what it makes me think of. This feels like one of those movies that's more about the city. It feels like it's more about Los Angeles than it is about anything else. And The characters could be switched out with other people and the story would kind of stay the same because it's more about the kind of stuff that happens to people in the city. So not bad, but also just a little meh. Next up, we have Running Against the Wind. And you know what? I just decided um, there are only, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies coming out this week, plus the picks of the week for next week and the week after. So I'm just going to talk about all these films like I normally would. So I'm not going to break it up into two sections. So I should give Summertime a score then. Um, And you know what? Summertime gets a five out of 11. And fun fact, you know what I just realized? I just realized that I never watched the trailers and put these movies in order because this is actually quite a good week. So I just put the some of the films, except for the last few, in random order. So let's talk about Running Against the Wind. This is a limited release movie. This is Ethiopia's submission to the Academy Awards for Best International Film. In Ethiopia, two men are running to achieve their dreams. What I gathered from the trailer, this is about two boys who are kind of brothers. Like they were friends, I guess. And then one of their fathers dies. And then so the uh, living father adopts the other one. And they promise they, they have this dream. Like one of them gets a camera from this missionary or something or some white guy who just happens to be in their village. And he falls in love with photography. And the other one loves running. And they say when they're kids, hey, I'm going to take a picture of you while you cross a finish line in Ethiopia's big race. And fast forward to the future, the photographer is homeless and has to resort to crime to survive, but still has his camera, luckily. And the other guy, he is a runner and he's going to compete at that big tournament or race, I should say. And while when he goes to the city, he finds his old friend. So it's. Two stories side by side about how life treated them very differently, and this looks really good. All right, my friends, next up, we have a film called Meander. And right as I said, this is a pretty good week. We have this movie, which doesn't look good at all. It's horrible. This is about a woman who gets locked in a series of strange tubes full of deadly traps. Yes, this feels like a saw clone. This woman is in a cab or something, or maybe not a cab because she's in the front seat. I don't know what's going on. She's just driving with this guy. Uh, she's not wearing her seatbelt. She He slams on the brakes. She gets knocked out, and he, she wakes up in this pipe and has to keep crawling through the pipe even though there's things in the way, like one pipe starts to shrink and crush her. 
Another pipe gets really hot, so she starts to burn. Another pipe opens up at the bottom, and there's, like, acid or something under it. And then it looks like it gets weird, like she starts hallucinating. And unlike Escape Room, which felt like a Saw clone, this one just feels pointless and skippable. So I'm going to say Meander gets a 3 out of 11. Oh, I didn't give Running Against the Wind a a score, did I? Running Against the Wind gets a 7.5 out of 11. And Jesus, I never said who was in this. Wow, I am just off the my rocker this week, huh? Meander stars Gaia Weiss from Vikings. All right, my future friends, we have two more movies before the break. So let's talk about how I became a superhero. God, don't I wish. This is a Netflix original movie from France. And the premise is as follows. While superheroes have assimilated into Parisian society, a new drug gives superpowers to mere mortals. So like I said, this is a movie from France and stars no one of note. And this feels familiar, doesn't it? Uh, If you're a fan of comics, especially anything from Boom, you may remember the comic Suicide Risk, which has a very... Okay, I wouldn't say it has a very similar premise. It just has that idea of drugs giving you superpowers or a specific drug. That sounds very wrong. A specific drug that grants you superpowers. Uh, Back... Last year, actually, back way back when, uh, last year we had Project Power come out with Jamie Foxx. Who else was in that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt about the guy who is trying to search for this drug that gives you superpowers because his daughter was involved somehow and got killed. So the whole idea of taking something to get superpowers isn't a very... It's not a very unique idea, but like we mentioned on the show quite a few times, that... There are certain things that's okay just to take this idea, but as long as you run in a different direction with it. So the good news is that this movie is on Netflix. So if you think you want to take a risk with it, it's not that big of a risk. It's just a little bit of your time. Uh, as for me, will I take a risk on it? Probably not. It it, it looks okay. The, the trailer was weird because the trailer started out looking really cool, got really, really boring in the middle, just in the middle of the trailer. And then it got interesting again near the end. And if the trailer at all bored me, it makes me scared. So we could have a promising movie on our hands, but it also could be very easily skippable. How I Became a Superhero gets a 4.5 out of 11. All right, next up, we have the the last movie before the final break is called The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52. And if you want to be sad, you should watch this movie. If you want to be just a little sad, listen to me talk about it. So Finding 52, The Search for the Loneliest Whale in the World is a feature-length documentary that will take audiences on a journey to find the forgotten 52 Hertz Whale calling out at 52 hertz a frequency unrecognized by other whales this mysterious creature is believed to have lived its life in complete solitude its calls forever unanswered by its own kind in our ever-present fascination with these majestic beasts the tale of 52 has prompted an intense reaction amongst our own species pointing to a greater awareness of human loneliness than ever before now that isn't the happiest movie in the world i don't know what is This whole, this is a documentary and it just seems so, so sad. This idea that this creature has been alive. Okay. So in the, in the, in the trailer, they mention that the 
whale was first noticed, I believe, was during World War II when we were um, putting sonar things out in the ocean to track uh, U-boats and stuff. And that's when they noticed this weird sound. This weird sound, which wasn't at a frequency we knew. And it was found out later to be a whale. And the issue is, like they said, other whales don't communicate at that frequency. So this whale is talking... Ain't no one can hear you. It's like making music for humans, but using dog whistles. Ain't ain't no one going to hear that shit. So since I believe they said World War II, I, I'm pretty sure it was a long time ago. This whale has been alone. Or you know what? You know what just dawned on me? We don't fucking know if this whale has been alone its whole life. We don't know. We just know it can't communicate with other whales. So that th- maybe it has just been like swimming out there in the ocean doing this whale thing. And it goes, oh, look, here's another whale that I happened upon. Hey, what's up, friend? And they just can't communicate. Like meeting someone that doesn't speak your language. So don't feel that sad. It could not be terribly depressing. But the interesting thing about this movie is that it tells us the history of 52. But then also they're trying to find it. And it's not as simple as just putting out a bunch of microphones in the ocean. Because... Researchers estimate that some of the lowest frequency sound, like the song of the humpback whale, can travel as far as 10,000 miles without losing any energy. And in the trailer, they say 13,000 miles. So these filmmakers are looking to find it. And, uh, you know, good luck. (laughs) Good luck to them. I do think this sounds really interesting. It, uh, I I love nature. That is my jam. I wish I had more time to watch even more nature stuff. I love it so much. I just get a kick out of it. And I do want to watch this. And I think it's going to be something that I'm going to watch when my wife is not home. Because it would probably make her really sad. And I don't want to do that to her. See, that's what a loser I am. What are you going to watch when your wife's not home? Oh, this whale documentary. But it does look good. I think it looks good, and it's also very interesting. So The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52, gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my friends, it is time for our final break as we hear word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, who just keep chugging along. I'm going to, this month, I'll have missed three episodes and they just keep going and they're doing extra episodes with their book club you have to slow down i am telling you robbie and lisa slow your roll arrest your momentum desist with the acceleration because you can't catch up to me we we just can't have that happen stay tuned hi i'm lisa and i'm robbie and we host a show called we're We're doing Doing Fine. fine We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. All right, we're back. We are back with the final movies. So the last three movies of this week and my pick for the week of the 16th and my pick of for the week of the 23rd. So let's talk about actually, let's just talk about the fact that I really, really want to see all three of these films. 
I really do. I know for a fact I'm going to see two of them in the next coming weeks. I know that for uh, for a 100% truth because one of them we already have plans to watch and the other one I want to watch for my birthday. So I'm going to be busy. But let's start with Fear Street Part 2, 1978. This is a Netflix original film. Shady Side, 1978. School's out for summer, and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another Shady Sider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a gruesome fight for survival. This stars Sadie Sink from Stranger Things, Jillian Jacobs from Community, Benjamin Flores Jr. from Rim of the World, Kiana Madaria, I think, from Trinkets, Olivia Scott Welch from Panic, and Matthew Zuck from Doom Patrol. So last week... We had, uh, my wife and I had some of our friends over. One of them is Big D from Big D's Movie Hunter, uh, who I recommend on the show all the time. The dude loves movies so much. It's so fun to hear him talk about that. Uh, talk about them. Uh, go out, check his YouTube channel, Big D the Movie Hunter. So yes, my wife and I had uh, those friends over and we watched Fear Street Part 1, 1994. And it was surprisingly good. Don't get me wrong, still cheesy, still kind of predictable. Uh, I didn't see everything coming, but there were certain predictions that, that were just obvious. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all, especially for something like this, where we have a three-part trilogy coming out back to back to back. So it makes it really fun. It adds this level of enjoyment to it, where we watch this movie, and it does have it does have an ending, but it also has a super open ending. So it does wrap up certain events of the film, but then it leaves something wide open. But you may be thinking, Billiam, each movie is taking place in an older time. Well, yes and no, because they're going to jump forward to the events directly after Fear Street 1994 and back to whenever the main movie is taking place so this one is going to be between the events at the camp and jumping back to now or not now but 1994 when they're trying to figure out how to solve the big uh, the big problem so it's really cool that with this second film in the series we're going to learn more about the lore of shady side and we're going to move the main story forward so we kind of know how things work out at the camp, but we don't know everything. And that's how it's going to be interesting. And I think if any movie is not going to fall victim to middle movie syndrome, it's going to be this one because it felt like the series was written as one big thing, but they kept in mind that they were going to split it up. So we're not going to have that lull that sometimes you get in middle movies where they're building up to the final one. So yes, I am very excited for this. It's not the pick of the week because the pick of the week I'm even more excited for, and you should all know what it is. By the title, you should know what it is. But that doesn't mean this isn't going to be good. This doesn't mean I'm not going to watch this. I am going to watch this. We're going to try to have them all over again, and we're going to make it a thing, and it's going to be fun. Fair Street Part 2, 1978, gets an 8.5 out of 11. The final movie that's not the pick of the week, and this one was hard, because this film is also a Netflix original movie, meaning by the time you hear this episode, you can watch this film. Uh, you can watch it for no extra cost. It's not like Disney Plus, which is going to charge you some fee. 
on top of the monthly subscription. And it looks really, really good. In fact, if it wasn't for the pick of the week, the very predictable pick of the week, I'm very sorry about that. If it wasn't for the very predictable pick of the week, this would have been the pick. This would have totally made it. And what film is that? That film is called Gunpowder Milkshake. Three generations of women fight back against those who could take everything from them. And that's a terrible premise if you've ever watched the trailer. This stars Karen Gillan from Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Carla Gugino from The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, Lena Headey from Dread, Michelle Yeoh from Tomorrow Never Dies, Freya Allen from The Witcher, Angela Bassett from How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Paul Giamatti from Sideways, Ralph Innocent from The Witch, Chloe Coleman from My Spy, and Michael Smiley from Luther. That's right, this is that badass-looking female-forward assassin movie with Karen Gillan about the woman who, I forgot if she has a change of heart or if this kid gets involved and she changes her mind, but she basically goes against her boss. And her boss is like, well, guess what? You're going to f***ing die now because you're an assassin. That's what we do to people. Uh, we don't give them, uh, you know, retirement benefits. Uh, just f*** you and die. So she turns to her mother and she turns to her grandma. At least I think it's her mother and grandma. I know her mother is in it. And it does say three generations, so I'm not sure if, like, one of them has another daughter. I, I don't know. But all these women have been assassins. They know these other women that make weapons or supply them with weapons, and together they become bad-ass bitches. And they stick it to the man quite literally. This movie looks like something that should be based on a comic, but it is not. This looks like the perfect, perfect female-centered action film because never once does it feel like it's pandering. It never feels like it's like it's trying. Like, oh, we know that being inclusive is in right now, so look at we did what we did on purpose. Pat ourselves on the back and take our paycheck. Thank you very much. It doesn't give that feeling on. It doesn't give me that vibe. What it gives me is this truly interesting action film that looks like it was just so well done that balances perfectly between taking themselves seriously and not seriously. That just that that just lives right in that sweet spot. The trailer just looks so good. And looking at the poster, I'm thinking it's just mother and daughter. I think the third generation may be the kid that um, Karen Gillan is protecting. Oh, here, I found a better premise. And yes, it actually, that kid is her daughter. So yes, the only iffy thing that I could see or that I can even try and be picky about is the fact that, yes, this involves her protecting her daughter. So like, come on, we can't have a badass female action flick without motherhood and protecting your kids being involved. But that's me reaching. That is me reaching for something negative to say. And it's not even that bad. It's just like, come on. Come on, in Peppermint, it was revenge for the death of her husband and daughter. Husband and daughter? Husband and son? Whatever. Husband and kid. So really, it's not the end of the world at all. This looks fun, and I highly, highly recommend this. I have not even seen it yet, and I recommend it to everyone because it looks really, really good. This is going to be a fun action film. What more do you need? Nothing. Gunpowder Milkshake gets a nine out of 11. 
All right, time for the pick of the week, and you should know what it is. The pick of the week is called Black Widow. This is getting a nationwide release with a Disney Plus premiere access tag along with it. This is a film about Natasha Romanoff in her quest between films Civil War and Infinity War. This stars Scarlett Johansson from, you know, those films, Florence Pugh from Midsummer, Rachel Weisz from The Constant Gardener, David Harbour from Stranger Things, O.T. Fagmenle from The Handmaid's Tale, William Hurt from Dark City, and Ray Winston from The Departed. Yeah, f*** Steven Dorf. F*** Steven Dorf up his old, bitter ass. This film looks fantastic. If you don't like Marvel movies, that's fine. That is fine. As long as you don't make yourself one of those people that that's your thing, like, oh, I don't like Marvel movies, fight me about it. As long as you're not one of them, that's fine. They're not for everyone. Even though they're widely popular, they're still not for everyone. My dad. My dad would never watch these films. Because even if he watched them from the very beginning, he would be so confused. But for the rest of us who like these, this is the movie we've been waiting for. This is the movie that shows us why Black Widow should have been an Avenger the whole time. Because let's face it, she's been pretty much useless the whole time. Her character kind of sucked in the Iron Man films. Wait, 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 wasn't she just into whatever her character kind of sucked in that Avengers. She was a little better, but then in age of Ultron, which I still liked, but in age of Ultron, they just turned her into a love interest for Hulk. Like really? Thanks Joss Whedon. But the whole time she's been one note emotion was something you never saw from her until the very end. And even then there's barely any emotion there. She was a pointless character who needed a better person behind it and that's what we have now black widow shows us the black widow we've needed this whole time and you have the added bonus of florence pubing in the film who's just amazing uh david harbour plays red guardian right and that's that's great i love this this movie looks like a james bond film on steroids and you guys remember that when this movie was first announced, I was not excited because in the main MCU, Black Widow sucks. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, it actually makes me angry. This film makes me angry because this is what it could have been the whole time. And why wasn't it this the whole time? I understand that with these big Avengers films, where you have so many different characters, it's hard to make everyone shine. But it wouldn't have been that hard to make Black Widow look interesting and useful. This film looks good. Uh, I believe it's supposed to be the last time that we're going to see Black Widow, but I hope it's not. I hope it's not. I hope that this film is as great as I think it's going to be. And if it is, I hope that they either do another prequel or hell, it's a comic book movie. They can easily bring her back. I challenge you to find a comic book character that's never died. Oh, interesting. I just looked it up. I found a list of the top 10 superheroes who have never been killed. And the list is Luke Cage, Black Canary, Roy Harper, Iceman, Tim Drake, Shazam, Daredevil, Zatanna, Sue Storm, and Barbara Gordon. That's right. She was never actually killed. She was just, um, you know, shot and paralyzed by the Joker. But you know what? I guarantee you, Black Widow is not one of those comic book characters that have never died. So I believe this movie is going to be really fun. Uh, I think it's going to be one to watch. And if you are a fan of big flashy movies in the theaters, you watch Black Widow. 
because Black Widow gets an 11 out of 11. All right, my future friends, I was a pick of the week for this week. Let's talk about the pick of the week for next week. And that is Space Jam, A New Legacy. Nationwide release July 16th. This is about NBA superstar LeBron James teams up with Bugs Bunny and the rest of the Looney Tunes for this long-awaited sequel. This stars LeBron James as himself, Don Cheadle from Traitor, and Lil Rel Howery from Get Out. It features the vocal cast featuring... It features a vocal cast, including Zendaya and Gabriel Iglesias. Of course, the pick of this week was going to be Space Jam. Of course it was Space Jam. The first one was my jam. I remember having this purple tank top with Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, and Marvin the Martian on it dunking. And my scrawny ass, because yes, I was scrawny at one point. I went from scrawny to fat. It just blinked and it happened. There it was. So my scrawny ass wore that thing all the time. Even in winter, it's winter. I'm wearing a tank top. Why? Because it was a f***ing Space Jam tank top. All right. Fun fact, that was also the last time I owned a tank top. But I'm excited for this, even though I'm a little disappointed because, look, I love Zendaya. She's great. I think she's a fantastic actress. She was not needed to voice Lola Bunny. We did not need a celebrity to voice Lola Bunny. To be fair, we didn't even really need Gabriel Iglesias for... Speedy Gonzalez, but at least Speedy Gonzalez is being voiced by a Mexican-American actor, or comedian in this case. So that's the good part. Another questionable part about this movie is that it seems like this has nothing to do at all with the first one. Because what it looks like is that, at least from what they hinted at in the trailers, the Toons have no idea how to play basketball. If this was a direct sequel... What should have happened was like a Mighty Duck sort of thing, where they're like, oh, yeah, we won this tournament, but we forgot how to play all of a sudden. We need a training montage. But with this film, it just seems like they never knew, and LeBron James is going to have to teach them. But those two things aside, I am 100% down. Space Jam was fun. This movie is just fun. Pure, unadulterated fun for all ages for people my age who remember it or even people older than me who watched the first one and liked it for younger audiences who maybe watched it because it's a hipster thing to do or for even kids who have never seen the first one and think this looks interesting this is for everyone let's be honest with ourselves here can can i be honest for a second this isn't going to be a great film it's really not but how many times can i say fun it's going to be fun It's going to be a fun film. Fun, 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 fun. You watch this film to smile. You watch this film to feel like a kid again. You watch Space Jam A New Legacy because you want just pure, unadulterated enjoyment. Because you can go to this film and you can watch a movie, realize that it's not a great quality film, but enjoy it still because these are supposed to be for entertainment purposes only and not some hidden piece of uh, amazing art. Find an indie film for that, but you watch Space Jam A New Legacy to smile. Space Jam A New Legacy gets an 8.5 out of 11. And finally, the pick of the week for the week of July 23rd. Remember, I'll be taking that week off too. July 23rd is Snake Eyes. This is a G.I. Joe spinoff centered around the character Snake Eyes. Wow, whoever came up with that premise, uh, 
amazing. That's 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 amazing. Um, can you win a Pulitzer for for writing a a movie premise? Because if you can, this person should win a f-ing award for that amazing collection of awards. It was almost a haiku, almost a haiku. This stars Henry Golding from Last Christmas, Andrew Koji from Warrior, the TV show, Samara Weaving from Ready or Not, or if you're from the UK or Australia, Neighbors, and Ursula Corbero from Money Heist. Who didn't love Snake Eyes? Who, growing up, and who was also aware of G.I. Joe, didn't love Snake Eyes? F***ing no one. Because it was f***ing Snake Eyes, he was a ninja, and he was badass, because ninjas were badass, just ask the turtles. I remember when I was a kid and it was very important that my dad let me know that even though ninjas were the cool thing, that they were dishonorable, that they were murderers and that samurai were the good guys. And now that I'm older and I actually look into it and we're more honest about the past and stuff like that, that samurais were kind of ass too. Kind of like in how it kind of like in America, we romanticize cowboys, but ninjas are still ninjas. Ninja movies are badass. Snake Eyes was the best G.I. Joe character. This is his origin story. Because in this film, we do see Scarlet, played by Samara Weaving, and the Baroness, played by Ursula Corbero. So we have someone representing G.I. Joe, someone representing Cobra. We know that Andrew Koji plays Storm Shadow. My 10-year-old self can't f***ing believe how great this movie looks. So what's really important about this film is that it just looks like a good action film. Through and through, a good action film. Let's just add that cherry on top. Let's just add it on top that it just happens to have the most badass character from G.I. Joe in it. And that Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are being played by Asians. So that's really cool right there. Because in the first two G.I. Joe movies, Snake Eyes was played by Ray Park. And I, I'm... Look, should the character have been played by an Asian? Yes. But Ray Park was not a bad choice. F***ing Darth Maul himself playing Snake Eyes was pretty badass. And hey, at least Storm Shadow was played by an Asian, uh, Lee Byung-hun. Uh, not bad. But here's the thing. We live in the day and age where representation is very, very, very important. So it was pivotal for this film that it star Asians. Because the fact that they're Asian is actually important to the character of Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. If you took, uh, let's say, Duke. If you took Duke and made him another race. Uh, He could be black, Mexican, doesn't matter. That wouldn't matter because the fact that he is white doesn't have anything to do with Duke's story. So in the case of this film, it was super important that they're Asian. They did it. We can move on. We can move on to the fact that this looks like a good film. We can move on to the fact that this is a solid-looking action film. That the summer blockbusters are here. That it started with F9. It's continuing with Black Widow, it's continuing even more with Space Jam, and it's continuing to the end of the month with Snake Eyes. July is a great month for theater-worthy films. You're welcome. It's my doing, because I was born in July, so it has to be linked to me. Of course, you can thank me by spreading the word of this show so we become big. That's how you can thank me. 
But all joking aside, I am I am excited. I am excited so much for this month. Even if I don't actually see them this this month, even if I see them in in, in August, I am happy that these films are coming out that I am so excited to see in theaters. And you know what? When Anne and I went to go see F9 in theaters, we had this f***ing devil child behind us who was screaming like the whole f***ing time. And his loser mother did nothing to shut him up. Don't bring your toddler to a Fast and the Furious film if you can't make them shut the f*** up. Just like that. But even with that going on, I loved it. It was so good to be back in theaters. I thrived. Would it have been better if that kid wasn't there? Yes, 100%. But I still thrived. I can't wait to go to the theaters to see Black Widow. I can't wait to go to the theaters to see Space Jam. I can't wait to go to the theaters to see Snake Eyes. My friends, movies are back. Snake Eyes gets a 9 out of 11. And with that, that is it for episode 904, Well-Deserved Arachnophobia. And just a quick reminder, even though I've said it a million times this episode, we will not be back until the week of the 30th. So I will see you then. I will update you on how my time has been. I will tell you if I saw any movies. And in the meantime, let me know. What movies have you seen recently? What was your first movie back in the theaters? There we go. An unofficial question of the week. When you finally went back to theaters, or if you plan on finally going back to theaters, what movie did you see? My future friends, thank you, as always, for tuning in, and I'll send you along the way with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>